With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Roan. Carter Rodriguez is still off. So today, to help me talk about all the fun things that are happening with the Cleveland Cavaliers, is friend of the pod, Jeff Nomina. Jeff, how's it going, buddy? Uh, if I knew we were only talking about the fun things, I would have carved out way less time for this podcast i'll be honest with you yeah i i mean if vine was still happening i i think we would have just done it on, in that format uh but <laughs> you know I'll, I'll try to get some filler in here and, and make things work i want to wish everybody a happy new year's we are back to two days a week for the chase down podcast hope you guys all enjoyed your break Things are not ideal for the Cavs right now. Uh, another loss to the Wolves. I think this is now three in a row. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., knee injury, um, which just – I, I want to start there because it is – it's throwing me off, to be honest, Jeff. Like, it, it is just such a gut punch. I'm assuming he's going to be out for a while, even if it's not necessarily a season-ending injury. Given where the Cavs are at right now, I feel like they're going to be extremely cautious with it. And we're probably talking about him missing time for probably an extended period of time, if not the rest of the season. And I was all prepared to come on here and try to make the argument that even with the love stuff going on and all the different veterans and and all the stuff, you know, hey, at least Garland and Porter are looking pretty good. And none of the other stuff really (laughs) matters all that much. And then then even that small win – even that small win was taken from us. You, you know what? That's honestly, that's something I had forgotten about was that, hey, we are going to kind of talk about lineups and um, what, what type of adjustments you make with the guards and whether or not Kevin Porter Jr. has earned the opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. And all those conversations go out the window. And what I had tweeted out is, especially when you come to the reality that the trade, trade deadline is literally a month away at this point. Uh, we are very close to a post-Kevin Love reality, in my opinion. Not having Kevin Porter Jr. in the lineup just takes away so much uh, of the watchability of this team. I'm assuming we're going to get something back for Love. Um, I think Garland and Sexton, they what we've seen from them recently is they're they're really taking advantage of Jordan Clarkson being out. So at least you have a little bit more than we had last year when Kevin Love was out. But, man, this is just such a gut punch for one of the guys that's been one of the more electric players on this team. Oh, he was the reason to watch. Uh, you know, Garland has picked it up recently, but for a month or so, you know, Porter's been the reason to even tune in at all. And, yeah, this one's, this one's really bad. Even just looking through the box score tonight, you know, we had a lot of injuries, but this is what the team's going to look a lot like after the deadline, right? We're going to be missing two probably of our bigs, whether it's Tristan or Love or Henson. You know, two of those guys will probably be gone. And you're going to be playing a lot more of the, the 
McKinney's and uh, Zizic and these guys. So, uh, you know, just taking one guy off of there is still a huge blow just because there's so few watchable guys on here at all. And, and he was at the top of the list. So it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a rough go in here. I'm hoping his injury is not too bad, but man, it looked really bad. Yeah. I, I mean, anytime the knee buckles in an unnatural way, at the very least, it, it's got to be a sprain. It's got to be something that is going to take some time to heal. Uh, if you are in the Cleveland area, we are obviously a podcast that cares very much about our listeners. Make sure you guys are having your vitamin C because it sounds like there is a flu going around with the Cavs. Uh, Tristan Thompson was apparently throwing up before the game. John Henson wasn't feeling well. And I... I, I got to tell you, Jeff, like if this flu spreads to the young guys, like if Sexton and Garland are oh, out, if they, if they miss a game or two, like I'm going to watch because I, I have this podcast I have to do. I have to write about this team. Um, but my goodness, I'm, I'm going to be drunk. I'm, I'm just giving a warning to all of our listeners. I'm, I'm going to be drinking if that's the case. What's the worst possible like starting five? Like most unwatchable starting five? Like like Delhi and Knight have to be your guards. It, it has to be Delhi and Knight. That, that's a good call. Um, Jetty, let, let's put Jetty in there, even though I think he's a better player than McKinney, because Jetty's the type of guy that when it is a gong show lineup like that, he falls apart as well. Uh, so I, I think it's those three, probably Zizic, who, to his credit, he looked like baby Shaq tonight. That was a lot of fun, and maybe we see a little bit more out of him. Um, and then maybe McKinney at power forward. Is that the ultimate doom lineup? Yeah, I think it has to be. I, yeah, I ha- you have to have some you know horribly undersized guy playing the four like we've had for the last couple of years that just doesn't just doesn't work at all. Mm-hmm. And I agree kind of about Jetty where w- when things go bad for him they go really bad. Whereas with McKinney it's 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 just always sort of bad, but it's like a controlled bad. Right. I, I do like him. He had that one massive dunk against the Thunder, and I was like, ooh, I, I didn't realize he could really get up like that because it, it was a poster dunk going baseline. And then this game, he's just trying to replicate that. He tried to, the one putback dunk that, that went straight up in the air and then another one where he just cocked it back but just did not have the finish. So shout-out to Alfonso McKinney for at least trying to make things entertaining. If you had a fairly like unremarkable NBA career going – wouldn't you try to just get the best highlight possible so you could show your kids on YouTube for the rest of your life though? Like, like I kind of respect that, like that, that should be his goal. You know what? That's a great call. I, you know what? Competition for our listeners. If you're out there, who is the best player that has one highlight and never did much in their career? It, send it to chasedownbot at gmail.com. I'll, I'm going to give you a shout out on the podcast uh, if you can produce that highlight. Because uh, that, that's actually a really, really fun question. I like that. Um, I do want to pivot, though, to, I guess, one of the few silver linings we have right now before we get into the love stuff and all that, uh, which is Dante Exum. Um, obviously, tonight, Bit of an aberration goes off for a career high 20, 28 points. It's four four threes. Um, was just awesome out there. But I thought even before this game, I really like what he brings to the team. Um, obviously, he is a massive, massive guard. Uh, he, he's finished well at the rim. He's he's assertive when he's on the court. And one of the things that kind of comforted me a bit here is with him playing like this and having a, an explosive outing like this. I, I think minutes are going to be a little more consistent for him because this this is a guy that should be playing over Matthew Dellavedova. Yeah, I mean he's an NBA player, right? It, it, like it sounds dumb to say, but like like he's clearly at least an NBA player. He's not like some project who maybe someday could be an NBA player. Like he's not necessarily a good one, but for a team like where we are, he's clearly one of the better options we're going to have the rest of the year, right? Right, and he, he's also one of those guys that. Um, the advanced stats dudes, and a lot of them happen to be located in Utah. So maybe there was some pro Utah bias there, but um, he's always someone that has been credited as being better than his numbers. He's obviously a good defensive player, uh, which is something that we just flat out don't have. So if he can be assertive, if he can stay healthy, I mean, this, this is encouraging stuff. I mean, there was a reason he was a top five pick. And it's kind of funny to me that last year, draft Colin Sexton at eight and then we acquired 
three or four guys that were drafted eighth overall. We had Stauskas, Chris, Brandon Knight, and I feel like there was one more. Um, now we, we draft Garland at five, then we get Exum. I, I wonder if we acquire any other former fifth overall picks. Let, let's keep this trend going. And I like this. It's like a new market inefficiency here. Just yeah, exactly. And then, <laughs> and then maybe next year we're, we're going to get a first overall pick and add a few other former <laughs> ones. Let, let, let's, uh, let's keep this trend going. It's going to be Wiggins up. and Bennett, though. <laughs> you know what? That, that that does seem very very possible. Let let's give the fat Mamba one more chance. Why why not? Um, yeah, but I think Exum has been great, and he also it seems like fits well with the guard. So you know, Garland and Sexton both kind of need a, a bigger guy next to them, a guy who can defend, a guy who can slow things down and can see the floor a little bit. And I think that Exum kind of provides that next to those guys. So I think he kind of fits no matter who he's playing with. And if I'm not mistaken, a lot of times when they kind of come back, you know, Garland subs out when he subs back in, he defers to Exum a lot where Exum brings the ball up and kind of gets guys set um, a little bit more. So it seems like they're doing that some. So, I, you know, I think he's, he's been a, a welcome addition. And his salary's not that bad. No, I, I mean, it really isn't. Um, and he's only under contract uh after this season one more year um one of the things that is attractive about him as you mentioned is that he can play alongside a lot of these guards and you look at his injury history there were two reasons why he didn't play with the jazz as much um one was injuries and those injuries were kind of random like it's not like he has one recurring issue that keeps coming up or a soft tissue issue or something along those lines it's kind of been random injuries and for that reason, for a team that's trying to contend, integrating him into the lineup and letting him work through some stuff just isn't feasible. And the Cavs have nothing but time. They have nothing but opportunity. Um, so as I said at the time of the trade, it would be great if this was a win-win because I, I think Jordan Clarkson really can help the Jazz uh, with one of their biggest needs and, and give them some offensive consistency. Uh, while Exum may have just needed a a new opportunity obviously Cleveland has a great medical staff and uh I'm I mean if Kevin Porter Jr. is going to miss some time having Exum be a prospect worth caring about because he's younger than Jetty hey I I am all for that no I agree with that completely and he doesn't have to be great he doesn't have to live up to that draft status here, which is nice. You know, in Utah, he was always going to have to be the fifth overall pick, whereas you can come here and he can just be a productive player. And there's a little bit less pressure on him to do that. And shout out to Jordan Clarkson, too, because I think we all kind of hated watching that guy play. But he turned himself into a decent, a decent player. I think he, he changed somewhat from when he was in L.A. to when he got to, to Cleveland or over the last year or so here. And he, he, he was, was a, a sneaky, player. effective player last year. Like, he actually would get the ball moving. I mean, his priority, obviously, was to provide that offensive punch. But I, I think that um, the criticism, the only criticism that I really have for him as a bench player is just that he's a little bit overpaid. But he's an expiring contract. Um, but when you look at the NBA landscape, if you're talking about bench scores, he's one of the better ones out there. I mean, I think people need to be realistic when you look at what kind of those depth pieces can be. Yeah, he was annoying. Yeah, like I said, he was annoying to watch, but I hope he does well in, in Utah. And I know we always get our jokes off about about the jazz and jazz Twitter and stuff, but, you know, I'd love to see him do well there and, and yeah. spark them and make up for well, that disastrous I, I mean, playoff you, you, he had here. Look at Dante Exum. I mean, all he needed was a system, right? Like, <laughs> it's amazing what a change that can make. Turn, turned his whole damn career around on you. You just, you really, really do love to see that. Oh, man. It's, uh, it, it will be interesting. I mean, if Kevin Porter Jr. only has one good knee for the rest of the year, if he could at least donate that to Dylan Windler and we, we can get one more rookie to look at, um, that, that would be nice because it's, it's just been such a slog of a season because I, I think this team has had some potential and I think things wouldn't have been as bad as they've kind of got now. If the schedule wasn't so difficult early on, I, I really do think that that losing had its toll on, on the team. Um, you, so let's circle all the way back to the Kevin Love situation. Cause obviously that that's one of the bigger uh, stories around the team. And uh, Shams had mentioned that, 
Kevin's first kind of explosive meeting with Kobe Altman was at the end of last season, just something that we've kind of heard and alluded to in the past, just that that exit interview did not go well uh, with him wanting out of Cleveland. Um, And then again, the the situation came up um, just this week where Kobe Altman find him and Kevin Love used that as a kind of launching off point to, to express some frustration and Undoubtedly, um, still being in Cleveland was a, a major topic that came up. I, I want to get your thoughts on um, th- this whole love situation and kind of do, do you have some sympathy for him or, or where are you at in terms of how you feel about love right now? Well, first off, finding him $1,000 is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. Like, I, if I were him, I would want to be fined an actual number more, like even though it would cost me more money, like find me 10 grand or, or something that's like an actual fine. Like finding him $1,000 is the most that, ridiculous thing. That's a thing lunch I've with his heard. girlfriend. That, that is 100% a lunch with Katie. Like just having to like find a check to write that out is, is just more annoying than, than the actual cost of having to do it for him, I'm sure. Um, I have some sympathy for love and, the, and you know, the, you can tell it's not just him. Uh, somebody was posting some clips of, of Henson doing some stuff. You know, Tristan had the blow up with beeline earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I N- think Nance very publicly last year was um, kind of, or a lot of people alluded to Nance being the, the one of the veterans that was fed up with Colin Sexton last year. So yeah, to, to your point, there's been a few of them. And I wonder if it's, things are really this bad and the vets are all this mad or if the vets are feeding off each other, they're all in a bad situation. They're all kind of annoyed. <laughs> yes. And so they all get together and kind of, you know, psych themselves up uh, a little bit about this. It's hard to tell which is which. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure things are extremely annoying, but no, nobody on this roster is some elite level person, you know, player that, that can maybe, act like this on the court so everyone on this team is part of the reason why this team is not winning games yes exactly so i absolutely understand where love's coming from and i understand why he'd be annoyed and i do think it's time to start you know asking some questions about kobe altman and why there's just constant drama around this team and why they can't seem to you know just have a couple of months of just normalness I don't know if that's fair because one of the things we talked about at the end of last season was that the, the Cavs outside of the start of the year when you kind of had the Tyron Lue situation, they did have a good locker room culture and Tristan and Love and uh, the other veterans were bought in even when they were in the, on the sideline. And th- so I, I wrote about the Love situation at, at Fear the Sword today where just kind of taking stock of what we know at this point and – I, I think it's a fair assumption to think that when Love signed his extension, there was an understanding that the Cavs would actively try to shop him um, in that first year. Then before he reached the, the date where he could be traded very early in the season, needed surgery and was out until February. So the direction of the team, their, their hands were kind of tied. Like they were going to lose games no matter what decision they made at that point. And trading him when he's on this fresh big deal with this injury added on top of his past injury history, it it just made moving him difficult and he was going to need to play his way into freedom, so to speak. And then obviously this season, yes, you you kind of had this compounding frustration. Um, The Cavs have been trying to move love. They're, They're listening to offers, but it's something that is going to take time in order for them to determine whether or not or whatever they're being offered, whether or not that's going to be the best available offer. And I completely understand where he's coming from. I understand anybody that would be frustrated at Love for how he's handling this. I think Love would be the first to admit that he is not responding well to some of these situations. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that this is something where both sides are hoping for a resolution. The Cavs are trying to find the best possible situation, both for them and for Love. And in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't know how much meaning this has for either what Kobe Altman has done as a general manager or Love's legacy in Cleveland. Yeah, I don't think it'll hurt Love's legacy in Cleveland. You know, nobody cares about anything right now enough. And I, mean, I tweeted this. I'd rather watch Kevin Love play for a good team than be miserable on my team at this point. Like, yeah, this I, I think all Cavs fans are at this point. Like, I, I think 
what I would want as a return has kind of changed. And like at this point, I don't want to be giving up assets to get rid of Kevin Love. Um, But if they can find something that they can get back without giving up assets, um, I'd I'd pull the trigger on whatever the best deal is uh, come February. Yeah, and I I think that's what's frustrating about the the love part. I get being angry. I I don't think there's any excuse for kind of like – acting the way he did on the court a couple times now this year and, and just the very public moping and, you know, standing there frozen, like behind the three point line to really make sure everybody sees how open he was and stuff, you know, some of that stuff's a little bit much, but I don't think he has enough trade value to be acting like that and think that's going to speed things up. I, I mean, he was somewhere between a slight positive to a negative asset to begin with. Right. With that contract. Right. And so when he starts acting like this, I, I think in his mind, he's speeding up the process, but I wonder if he is making it a little bit harder. Um, you know, he already has the injury history, he has this big contract. He's not, he has defensive issues. Now, if you're a team like Phoenix or Portland, who, you know, is either young or kind of struggling in your own way, are you going to bring in this guy who's already pouting and blowing up on the court like this? I, I don't know that it opens up the market more for him and makes yeah, the trade more likely. He's not acting in his own uh, self-interest at all. And one, one thing I want to talk about, which is the relationship with Colin Sexton, I think people are swinging too far the other way on Sexton. Um, I, I think they're, they're being a little bit unfair. I understand that he can be frustrating to watch, and um, I, I think everybody knows I have not been shy to, to talk about some of the weaknesses in his game. Um, but a young 21-year-old guard struggling to figure out the concept of team basketball is not something that's new. This is not something that is unique to the Cavs. And typically, veterans don't react this way. Um, Channing Fry kind of let the cat out of the bag. Like, it's great. I understand Kevin loves Instagram post. Um, I'm just going to say that I don't believe that Eric Bledsoe was at a barbershop when he tweeted, I don't want to be here. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we can all, uh, we can believe players to some extent, but th- it's clear uh, that there has been frustration with the veterans towards Colin Sexton. And um, some of it might be, hey, I'm already unhappy with the situation. And we, we have this young guard that's not developing as a playmaker as quickly as he could. But at the same time, I do think that it's important for people not to go the complete other direction and and say that this is not a guy that has any value because he has improved as a scorer, even with his three-point shot kind of abandoning him for a prolonged stretch. He's still more efficient on more attempts than he was last season. He's made some growth on defense. And I I do think that people kind of need to take a little bit of a step back there and and take that all into consideration. Yeah, like – I do feel like the Sexton Wars have become kind of all-consuming for for Cavs fans and Cavs Twitter and stuff, where it's all anyone talks about, and you kind of have to have an extreme opinion on either side. Um, Like, he's pretty good, right? I mean, as like a six-man, he seems like he's going to project pretty well. It's it's not an insult to say, in my opinion, to say that his long-term projections, the most likely outcome is for him to be a sixth man. I believe that he can be an efficient scorer off the bench and a plus defender. I, I think he's shown that potential. I do think that playmaking and vision at the, the level that's required for guards, uh, whether that be a point guard or a shooting guard, if you care about those distinctions, I don't know if he can get to that level in terms of being able to pass well enough to justify, let's say, 36 minutes a game as a starter. Um, But that doesn't mean that he can't be a really effective player. And that doesn't mean that that wouldn't be an above-average outcome for being selected with the eighth overall pick. This guy is scoring over 20 points per game since the Clarkson trade, uh, is doing it efficiently. And, like, his growth as a scorer is noteworthy. Like, doing that, scoring that much, is something that matters. Like at at this point, I I do still think that Ken Porter Jr. and Darius Garland have a higher ceiling than him, but Sexton has the highest floor of the young Cavs right now. Like I think you can say with confidence, he's going to be a good scorer and he's going to have a long career. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to see him not being at least Jordan Clarkson at this point to me. Right. um, Or somewhere along that level. And I think, yeah, 
for he's in his second season, he's 21 or whatever, his defense has already gotten a decent amount better. And we know how hard it is for guys to improve on that. So if his shot comes back, if his defense keeps going over the next year or two, he could be a really good sixth man who helps you close a lot of games. You know, I I think that's a really, really good outcome for an eighth pick. So I, I feel like a lot of people are ready to completely give up on him. I'm not there. I'm not counting on him to be anything great. I'm not penciling him in as a core piece. That's super important to the future, but like I, He's no. fine. I'm not. I'm not upset with where he is right now or anything like that. Um, I do think the kind of thing that we've all maybe missed on the Kevin Love thing, or not missed, but haven't discussed enough, is that if you watch the clip, he's clearly not upset with Sexton there. He's mad at Beeline because Beeline's yeah. yelling at him to to run something or to do something. And you know, Tristan blew up at, at the coach earlier in the year. And if you read Channing Fry's thing, a lot of that was less about Sexton, although it was pretty nasty section too but a lot of it was about the leash that they're giving him and putting him out there and you know making other guys play through a lot of it and i i get somewhat of the sense that it's a lot more the coaching and and front office putting sexton out there so much or letting him learn out there rather than pull him off or or try to win kind of yeah no and, and i i think that that's fair and i i really do think that that's a great point i i think a lot of what you've described is what's happening. My only counter would be there isn't an alternative. Like these guys are still playing in the low thirties in terms of minutes, every single game. Um, So it's not like they're being kind of worked into the ground and and allowed to just pad their stats. Like like some rookies are, but if you're talking about who you're going to put in instead of them, Delhi's already playing too many minutes. You have Brandon Knight who, isn't much better in terms of decision-making. In fact, he's probably worse because he's not as effective as a scorer. Uh, he, he was okay tonight, but like, there really isn't an alternative. You have to play these guys. That's what it's about, and, and that's the central tension of this team is that you have half the roster that needs these reps, that needs to learn from their, op- uh, their mistakes and, and turn that into developmental opportunities, and another half of the team that has had – long careers they 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 have gone through a lot of things some of them have had a lot of success in their career and there's always going to be that tension I I I think it's completely understandable that Love would be frustrated with Bayline and some of his decision making but at the same time there really isn't an alternative to what the current situation is oh and I I I could I 100% agree with all that but I could see them the veterans thinking that somebody like Brandon Knight should play more or play over oh, yeah. some. No, no, no. <laughs> deserves to start based on his history. So yeah, I, I'm sure there's some of that kind of not realistic. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure a lot of them, they, they, they played with them in the summer and they're like, yeah, oh, Brandon Knight's a bucket. Like it's, it, I, I completely get that. I understand where both sides are coming from. And I just think that it's one of those situations where, Sexton has kind of become this easy target for these guys. And I I don't know if that's completely fair for him. I do know that his limitations as a passer, which I mean, it's dramatic. You you look among guards, I think he's 150th among guards in assist rate. Like it's, it's not just that he's playing alongside another guard and that's why he's not getting assist opportunities. Like he handles the ball plenty. Um, and it's kind of regressed from last season. And I, I think one of the reasons why I advocated for him being moved to the second unit um, was that maybe he's going to get a few more reps as a point guard. Maybe we can see him go back to the role that we saw last year, and maybe that will help him kind of refine his rhythm. But at the same time, since this Clarkson trade, he has been great as a scorer. I, I've really kind of enjoyed his games um in that facet at least and i mean the limitations as a passer it's frustrating it it can be tough to watch at times especially when he's missing wide open guys but you kind of have to live with that right now there isn't an alternative especially with kevin porter jr out yeah and i i mean so much of the problem seemed like they would just be solved if he went to the bench and the starters could run a functional nba offense and then sexton could come in and just try to light it up when guys like McKinney and <laughs> yeah. Henson and, you know, some of those guys come in that, that aren't going to be able to produce anything on their own. Um, right. Let's just say know, I'm it, skeptical. It would, they could generate enough offense though. Like that, that is part yeah. of my concern. 
it would be tough. But I think another problem is that literally no one on this roster was brought on this roster because of their fit or because they wanted to be here or, you know, because there was some big vision. Like it's all a bunch of veterans who were solely contracts that got brought in or. Yeah, they were brought picks. in. The, the picks were what the Cavs were trading for. And these veterans were just kind of the, the tax that came with that. And, and one thing I, I do appreciate is at least some of these guys that they brought in that are, the the bigger contracts or whatnot at least they kind of make some sense like at the end of the day like alec burks made some sense um john henson nice little pickup there he's helped them out dante x i really enjoyed watching henson like when was the last time the Cavs had a rim protector oh yeah Yeah, larry sanders doesn't count yeah no no kidding (laughs) no and, and that's one thing like they even talked at the start of the season where tristan thompson he came into the nba as a shot blocker and then they kind of coached that out of him where it was hey contest the shot don't go for the block turn around and rebound get a body on the guy and, and that was the the role that they had him play they changed it up a little bit this year and, and is trying to protect the shots a little bit more but john henson is a bona fide rim protector and even nc Zizic, just with his size it, it really can impact shots at the rim so it, it is a totally totally different look for this team and one we haven't had at all and i love tristan but i mean we're how many years now of Tristan starting, love playing at the five some. You know, we haven't had any sort of real rim protection. It's just, it's funny to watch a tall guy be there and you see one of the guards get beat and then there's just nowhere for, for the guy to go once he gets close to the rim. It's like, oh my God, this is, this is convenient for your team defense. I, I can do this. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what a difference this makes. It's actually, I mean, it's funny. If, if the Cavs do find a trade for Tristan Thompson, um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing back Henson as a, uh, a backup. I mean, either of those guys, I, I would, would not be upset with either of them uh, being back next year. But I do think that John Henson is playing his way into legitimate trade value. Like, yeah, I, I for think sure. As an expiring guy, and uh, quite a few contending teams do need uh, a presence in the middle, I I can really, really see him um, having some value there, especially if the Cavs are willing to kind of attach some assets to to get a better return for for him or any of these other veterans. And I know that they tried to do this in the last rebuild, and it was was horrible with the wall dang and and some of those attempts. But (laughs) having some veterans out there who know how to play is just so helpful for the kids. You know, guys, even, you know, Larry Nance, who's not great and not like a super veteran, but like just – knows what to do can make some quick decisions and get guys in position you know nance and henson and tristan just some of those guys playing qb out there a little bit just goes a long way so i have no problem with trying to bring you know one of those well i know nance is here but you know if tristan or henson if we could bring one of those guys back it it would make some sense just to have some veterans out there to help even exum i think helps with that a little it man it it honestly it kills me that Nance went down at the time that he did because he has been playing better and that bench lineup uh, where, where he had Garland and KPJ Nance Hanson um, that that was really like that that was effective that was helping balance out games and we had that five and five stretch for the Cavs or six and six what it what whatever it was but before this now losing streak um, but it seems like the Cavs are just kind of snake bitten but I, I do agree that they're and I, I know people roll their eyes when they say when I say this because uh, team building philosophies in the NBA—it's so much fun to talk about. Everyone thinks that there's a million different ways, which there is. But I believe in this team building philosophy, where you do need to have some veterans that not only help in the locker room but can help on the court. Uh, you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I think that's a perfect example of what having those guys around Shea Gilgis-Alexander has done for his career. Um, Some of those veterans came over from the Clippers with him, but um, having guys that can kind of take some of the load off your shoulders, allow you to to sit back, to learn the game. I, I really do think that it helps these young guys out a lot. And I think it could help prevent situations like what we talked about earlier, where, there isn't an alternative and the veterans want to strangle the young players. And it's weird with this team because they kind of go between both. Yeah. Like Kevin Love is the perfect example. He does these big showy tantrums out there, but he's also coaching these guys a lot and grabbing them and tell them where they should have been and tell them, you know, well, here's how we could have done this. or here's where you should. And so it's, it's funny to watch it kind of go back and forth, even on just this roster. Right. It's shocking, but these guys are human. It's it's not one definitive situation where, and, and I, one of the things I wrote about today was 
I'm sure I, I would actually bet that Kevin Love and, and Colin Sexton get along off the floor. I'm sure that Kevin Love is invested in helping Sexton along in his development, but it's just a completely different animal when you go out there and, and you're playing with one another. And I, I think everybody can relate to people that they enjoy in their day-to-day life that they wouldn't necessarily want to work with. And, and I think this is one of those situations, but that that's going to be the balance for Kobe Altman and the Cavs. Cause as you mentioned, there is, was not flexibility coming into this year. We still don't know what type of team they're trying to build because they haven't had that opportunity yet. They, they've been capped out. Um, they're just in asset acquisition mode. And I think next year we're, we're going to start to see some of the bare bones of what they're trying to build. But as they do that, part of the balancing act is going to be finding veterans that are willing to go through some shit that are, are willing to take some losses and are invested in developing these young players. I, I think Tristan has shown some willingness there, but uh, just like the Oklahoma city found some veterans to do that. Um, the, the Cavs are going to have to find those right guys. Cause some people just don't want to put up with that situation. And that's a completely understandable thing from their position. Yeah. One of my takeaways from the love thing, and I, and I couldn't figure out a way to word this was, I don't mean this necessarily as a negative towards love, um, not that he handled it well, but it's been pretty incredible to watch Tristan Thompson kind of take on that leadership role and coach these kids and put up with it. I know he had to blow up with B- with Bayline earlier in the year, but I don't think that was a, a huge, massive deal. And but even I, then, he, he sat right next to Bayline and was like jumping up. He was cheering the guys on. Like he knew he fucked up at that point. And um, <laughs> we all saw the photo of him and Bayline hugging after the game. Like it, it was one of those he in the moment things, but he, he snapped right back into um, that, that coaching and mentor role. And I, I think that that that's the major key because you're always going to have your, your competitive blow ups in sports, but how you respond to those situations and whether or not you let it take you out is going to be the major key. Yeah, for sure. And I think Tristan's done a really good job of that. To your point, you know, if, if you could bring him back somehow, I don't know if he'd be interested in it. I don't know what a contract would even look like, but um, I, I do think that would be important. I think the, the the good and bad thing with the Cavs right now is that there aren't any stakes. Like we haven't, the time, we haven't found that star that starts the clock ticking on building and, and making moves and doing things. <laughs> yeah, obviously that's terrible because you're nobody until you have a star, but it also affords the opportunity to kind of sort through these things and figure out who wants to be there. And, um, you know, one of the things I hate that we went through with both LeBron and Kyrie was as soon as you get that star, it's like, well, you have to have a winner now or they're leaving. And, and yeah. that clock starts and it's just, you know, everything is fun, but also sort of miserable if you're a Cavs fan, you know, with those two rebuilds, it was fairly miserable until, um, you know, things got really good all of a sudden, but I, I guess the plus side is that if we do hit on a star, like let's, let's say we do hit on a guy. Cause even though this looks like a bad draft, there, there's always somebody like it's an inexact science. Let's say we hit on that guy. At least at this point, we have other young guys that are worth being excited about. I, I do think that uh, Garland and KPJ do have all-star potential. Um, at least that's a little bit better than drafting the franchise guy first, like that being the first young guy introduced in the situation, because those type of players can make it very, very difficult for you to get the picks necessary to, to round out the roster. And we also are, are spending the time figuring out what, you know, who wants to be here, what guys can help set that culture. If we have, you know, if Kobe Altman or if John Bayline, are these the right guys to help do some of this stuff? We're getting a read on some of this stuff so that, yeah, hopefully once we get that star, we know that Garland and Porter are guys that could be around and we know that the Jetty and Nance are guys that can help navigate the locker room and keep everybody on the same page and, and just help guys, you know, integrate into, into NBA life and stuff. So, yeah, we're, the hope is that right now while the stakes are low, we're figuring out and, and screwing up now so that once it's time to hit the road, we can, we can really start running. Yeah, and maybe some of the players that end up really mattering for this uh, this renaissance, as Bayline likes to call it, um, maybe some of them are, are guys that get traded to the team this season. Like maybe Dante Exum plays a, a role and is a meaningful backup point guard for us for uh, quite a few years. Uh, maybe whoever we get for Kevin Love ends up blossoming in this situation, and 
and you have kind of like an Oladipo and Sabonis situation. Uh, there's so many unknowns when it comes to team building. And I, I think just maintaining flexibility and, and being ready to round out the roster whenever that moment comes is going to be really, really important. So um, it, it's so hard, even as bleak as things are, it, it's hard to not be still a little excited about what the future uh, has in store for this team. Uh, I think anytime you're approaching a trade deadline, when you have guys that are out there on the market, uh, things are definitely going to be interesting. And for what it's worth, we have heard from multiple people that do feel like Tristan Thompson wants to stay. Um, Our our boy Chops uh, did let us know that uh, Tristan is willing and open to an extension. Then Steve Kyler, again, take with a grain of salt, but he did say today, uh, pardon me, that uh, Tristan is angling for an extension with the Cavs, which would obviously come this summer. So who knows? I, I think everybody pretty much should be on the market just to see what's out there. Um, but it, it would be nice to, to have a veteran like him that, that has accomplished a lot with this franchise, just completely bought in for, the, for that third contract, even knowing that uh, there's going to be some tough years ahead. Let me ask you this. There's obviously been a lot going on in Cavs world that hasn't been great. Um, but th- this doesn't feel as bleak as a lot of the other times to me. This isn't JR throwing soup or all the veterans saying they hate Sexton or anything like that. For some reason, this doesn't feel as big of a deal to me right now, where like none of this really matters in the grand scheme of things to me. You know, like love is pissed. Some of the veterans are mad. They're all going to be gone. None of it really matters right now, right? Like as long as Garland and KPJ were looking okay, Sexton's been playing okay. We're not screwing up our draft position. Like that's, that's really the things that matter, right? Yeah. I, I mean, for, at this point we have about a month now of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton getting better by the game. Like if this was still early season Garland, I could see it getting to a bleak point. Um, yeah. But this season, the season isn't as soul crushing as last year was. Um, this season's a little bit more like blue balls uh, in that it's like, I wanted Dylan Windler to be out there. I wanted KPJ to be getting more reps. And as soon as we trade Clarkson, you have this injury occur. Um, you just, they've, haven't had a full roster really at any point this season. Uh, we went so long without a backup center with John Henson being out. And by the time Henson gets back and starts to get rolling and you start to have an effective bench lineup, you have Larry and Hens go down. Um, it's just, it's frustrating because I, I feel like this season could be more entertaining and I'm sure that we're going to have more flashes where it is entertaining. Um, but it doesn't feel anywhere near as bleak. We still have interesting guys that, that could be moved this, this next month. And um, as long as Colin Sexton and Darius Garland or whoever the young guys we have active are, are playing and, and learning from their mistakes, um, it's going to keep me captivated for the rest of the year. Have you ever been this excited for a number 26 pick or whatever Wimbler is to play? <laughs> like, I'm um, ashamed. I, I have actual shame for how, how much stock I'm putting in him <laughs> playing. You want to know a really embarrassing thing that's been happening with me? Um, there have been multiple times where, let's say, I'm getting to a Cavs game late, where I'm out for dinner or whatever the case may be, and I'm starting late, it's recording, or uh, I'm going to watch on a league pass, and I check my phone, and I say, see uh, a little notification, someone tweet out, Kevin Herter going off, he's having a great game, and in my mind, when I read that, I think, oh, shit, Will, Winler made his debut? Because I have it in my mind that <laughs> Kevin Herter is just a poor man's Dylan Windler. And yeah, he, I hope he never plays because I want to hold on to that belief for as long as humanly possible. My whole thing is I don't think he's going to be great. I just feel like when I watch other teams play, you know, Minnesota was a great example tonight. They're just any daylight at all, they're launching from three. And I feel like we're built to do that but we don't have anybody who actually does it i'm so confident he's going to be solid like he's just going to be a nice rotation <laughs> like i just want somebody who just fire shots like that corver jr kind of guy we're like all right you know jj reddick like just they can run around and if they get any daylight they're going to shoot from wherever the hell they are and dude just, he took like, some we have shit. so many guys he took some shit in summer league that oh i know just... i watched so much of it because i'm a pathetic loser it was amazing it was uh... It was like, but don't we need that? I feel like everybody on our roster catches the ball and thinks. 
you know, or like pump fakes and then drives into some stupid turnover. Like I just want a guy who just fires from 30 feet all the time. And oh, I'm no. kind of, I'm hoping Garland starts to do that. He's starting to think about it a little bit more, but I think Windler's going to be like, I'm also like stupid high on Dean Wade for the same reason. I think he's just going to launch threes. And I just <laughs> kind of want, I like, we're going to be terrible here soon when we trade all these guys. And I just want to see us play like a style of basketball that is, makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Like, like what Brooklyn did, right. Where it was, you know, we, we kind of suck, but we're taking the right shots and we're, we're just taking threes. Um, I'm, I'm all aboard on that. I, I, I I'm uh, very, very, very pro of that. Um, it, it is nice to see Darius Garland playing better. Uh, you, I, I do the rookie report, which all you guys can subscribe to Chase Down Premium, Google Chase Down Premium. I do that once a week where we talk about the young guys and whatnot, but uh, up over five assists a game over the last four. So for this week, I uh, really like to see that um, him taking the threes in transition is a great sign. And um, you can really, really tell that the confidence is there and we're, we're starting to get the Darius Garland that was in highlights. So, um, the turnovers I'm, are starting to go away a little bit, which is nice. Yeah, um, he, he's learning. He, concern. He, he's like the raptor learning how to turn the uh, the doorknob. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very <laughs> encouraged. <laughs> I would love to find like a really good role man to go with him. I feel like he looks for that lob all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would love to find like a, a big guy that could, that could finish some of those. Um, Let's go steal Miles Turner. I, I want to steal Miles Turner. That's, uh, that's That works. That, that, I've talked myself into any price to, to sign Trez in, in the offseason. So either oh, one of those guys. Yeah, that'd be a fun one. That'd be a real fun one. Yeah, let's – let's. you know what? E- even if the Cavs got in on the Andre Drummond talk, I understand he's a flawed player, but he's still someone that's averaging like 19, 17, and 3. Like, and, like, I think that would be a perfect Garland. Like, like I just – I think when he gets going towards the rim, he's looking for that lob. Like Delhi and Tristan used to have all this. Like I just think that he looks for that a ton. And it's you it's not like, that, like it. it's not like our goal is contention. Like we want to get to fun relevance. And yes, some of his numbers might be a little bit empty, but he has improved on the defensive end. And we need a box score guy. Like we need someone that just goes out there and fills it up. Like I I I don't think the Cavs are going to go get in on that. Um, but if what was being reported by Woj where the, the Hawks were basically just offering expirings and, and the Brooklyn pick that's I think top 14 protector or not, let's go out and get him. Like if he's willing to stay here, why not? Like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm ready to get weird. For him. I'm Doesn't ready really to have to move. Yeah. You know what? Like I, I've, I've talked myself into any of these guys, like let, let's get exciting. Let's get fun. Let's give some of these young guys weapons um, that, that are relatively young and, and see where it goes from there. Yeah, and people worry about the defense. You know, some of these guys, who cares? Like, we're never going to be good enough for it to matter that much. <laughs> yeah. for, you know? Like, let's figure that out later. Let's just be fun. Let's, we, let's we put might, guys in we might get ex- succeed. Yeah, we might get exposed in a second-round playoff series. No, I'm like, you know, it's <laughs> when the game really tightens up, they, they might put him in space. And, and <laughs> I don't know if Bayline's going to be able to make the necessary adjustments. I want to be having those dumb conversations. Like, <laughs> exactly. Let's get to that shit. Let, let's make that the goal. <laughs> we figure it out from there. Because you know what? The Toronto Raptors got to that point. Then they made adjustments. Let's get to where the Raptors were before they became actually relevant and, and figure you it out. You promise me no Raptors fans are going to hear this podcast, right? Um, you know what? <laughs> we do. That's a scary thing when I look at Art19. Man, we, we got a wide range of people that listen to this podcast, which I do appreciate. Actually, while we're on that subject, I'm going to wrap this up right here. But uh, if anyone listening uh, is in the Minneapolis area and wants to go to the Raptors-Wolves game, Email chasedownbot at gmail.com. I'm, I'm in a giveaway mood. I'm going with uh, my family and I have an extra ticket. So um, start communicating with me there and we'll, we'll make things happen. Big Are they going to be sitting with you? What? Would they be sitting with you? They would be sitting with me. Oh, that's a pretty good offer. Right? Yeah. Hey, sitting with me and my brother and my dad. How about that? Yeah, that's a good offer. Somebody got to take you up on that. Yeah, you get the full Rowan experience. So, yeah, send that email, man. Let's, uh, let's, let's make this thing happen because I'm all about giving back to uh, all of our listeners because, honestly, it, it's the best. Uh, done a lot of reflecting here with the new year and whatnot, and uh, you guys are just all incredible. Really make this a lot of fun to do this podcast. So I want to give a big shout-out and thanks to everybody and a big shout-out 
to my buddy, Nam. Buddy, thank you so much for coming on and filling in for Carter. Really do appreciate it. And I appreciate you always making the time when I do come down to Cleveland to, to come for a drink. I, I always appreciate that. Unlike your co-host you've never met? Oh, my God. Yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> what the hell? I love Some... that. I can't even believe that. <laughs> you met me more times than Carter. That is, that is something, man. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm sure he's not listening. He's he's now a family man. He he's basically retired. It's a it's a real shame. Yeah, I maybe he maybe he's going to travel in his retirement. Win, Winnipeg's a beautiful place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I appreciate you having me on. I always love coming on and, and talking about this stupid season. Uh, I love this stupid team. It, it is what it is. There's always something to talk about. Which thank God because mm-hmm. I I look at some of these other teams that are equally bad. Uh, I mean, remember when the Hawks were darlings? That team was supposed to make the playoffs this year in some people's eyes, and they're oh, just man. as sorry as we are. I think the Trey, the Trey, everybody's in love with them, and I wonder how that's going to go when they're actually good. And it's really funny when you watch Hawks games, and Trey is one of the most exciting players, and you watch the bench, and they're not reacting to any of it. And then, like, Jabari Parker will have a dunk and they all jump up. <laughs> might, might be some trouble brewing there. I, I, I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Everybody, give the man a follow at SportsNom on Twitter. You can find his writing at Waiting for Next Year. I uh, want to thank all of our listeners again. I probably used the word appreciate a little bit too much here, but you know what? I'm Canadian. It is what it is. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by subscribing, leaving a rating, leave a review, unsubscribe, then resubscribe. Help cook those books. If you want to subscribe to the Chase Down Premium and support us directly, it's just 99 cents for your first month and five bucks a month after that. We have bonus content in there. I do my weekly rookie report. Uh, we're going to get a bit of a mailbag going. Uh, if you have any mailbag questions, you can send it to chasedownpod at gmail.com. And if you want part of our Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. And I'd be more than happy to send you a link with the invite. So thanks to Jeff. Thanks to all our listeners. And until next time, go Cavs.